Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast that explores the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Girl, when you change it up, you throw me for a fucking Well, I changed it up because I was like... It explores the world. I I had to because I hit record and then my instinct was to be like, hi! And I'm like, that's not how we start this podcast. (laughs) Um, Hi, welcome to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We've been doing this for a year. Yeah, so I had to completely recalibrate and I'm like, that's not how we start it. I need to figure out how we start it in like two seconds. So, hello. Hello. (laughs) I try and stay on top of it. It's all that improv. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yes, and doing the stuff. Exactly. Oh, good. You guys, this is a mini episode. This is where we fill you in on stuff that's going on in the world and we are going to read some listener mail today which we haven't done in so long yes so we're gonna we're gonna keep the actual news to kind of a minimum or not a minimum but shorter than usual so that we have time to actually read some listener mail this episode yes we've been putting that off the last couple episodes exactly because we just like to talk so much i know we're sorry (laughs) not sorry we have a podcast that's the whole point true (laughs) it's just silent we just sit here And that's the end of our show. All right. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will formally introduce her much-touted Green New Deal, uh, which is going to be a package of legislation aimed at, among other things, addressing the threat posed by climate change, which is great. But there's it's, it's a little, like, it's kind of like a big dream. Like, some were comparing it to, like, the moon landing, you mm-hmm. know, where people thought it was so impossible, there's no way it's going to happen. So basically, she's she's saying that within the next 10 years, she wants um, to go, like, fully green. Dude. Well, it's ambitious, and I like that. I think that we need we need that kind of ambition right now. Yeah. Whether or not it's achievable or accomplishable, right. I don't know. She's saying that um, the plan seeks a massive transformation of our society that could rid the country of fossil fuels and create millions of families supporting wages, union jobs. Basically, within the next 10 years, she wants us all to be running on, like, natural energy sources and not okay. be running on anything that's not natural. Um, and so people are like, this is really, really great. But then a lot of people who, like, work in politics are kind of being like, there's no way in hell this is going to And she's saying within 10 years. So, like, there's no way in hell this is going to happen in 10 years. It's impossible. Bec- from a financial standpoint or? I think just from, like, a financial standpoint, from just, like, a logistics standpoint. Like, they're just trying to it's make physically these impossible. Yeah, I like, see. it'll be one thing to... To actually get that passed and then another thing to actually put it into effect because while they're also talking about using like natural fuels and stuff and you guys by the way if I'm getting any of this wrong please message me back um, and steer me in the right direction but from what I understand it's also about like creating a lot of jobs and other things like it's a very broad idea that she has I feel like well you know what I don't know anything about this I'd not heard about this until right this second okay. um, <laughs> but I do appreciate that What I think is going to serve Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez so well moving forward, especially Mm -hmm. with millennials and Generation Z and so on and so forth, is that she is not a typical politician. She's coming out of the gate in her first term Mm -hmm. as a congresswoman. Um, 
with, with a lot of really great ideas. With these ideas and they're big ideas and she's not doing what I think so many of us do or what I do for sure, which is like stop myself by being like this is too big of an idea. Yeah. You know, like she she's lets like, herself gonna, go big. Yeah, she's like I'm going to put it on the table. We're going to get accomplished what we can get accomplished. Yeah, and even that's if not, that. Even if it's not fully Right. what her idea is. Well, and I was reading, you know, some of the criticisms, but even the criticisms said that it's bringing forth a recognition of climate change, which is so important right which now. Which I think is probably, <laughs> if I had to hazard a guess, what she's going for there. Like, yeah. Um, there's been such a denial, especially we just talked about it last week, the, the denial of, vortex. of climate change, and <laughs> in this administration in particular, yeah. uh, in the GOP party, completely... Because it benefits them financially yeah. to support the coal industry. So, yeah, like, it looks really good for, like, all of the, like, liberal people, liberal voters, uh, Democrat voters, um, to be focusing more on climate change. So while it is a really big idea, the focus is in the right place, I feel like, where mm-hmm. no matter what, because her focus is in that space, good things are going to come out of it, which right. I think is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I wish she could run for president. Soon. She's too I'm young. I'm sure she's going to run for president. I like, would love it. Absolutely sure. And you know what? She fires enough people up, it's going to happen. I'm not going to talk about the State of the Union because, wow, so oh, wow. boring. So boring. But I will talk about how fucking fierce Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez looked. Um, I'm sorry. Did you see that um, Me? Did you send that to me? Who sent that to me? Where it was, like, when men see, like, what a... Or, no, my boyfriend's mom sent this to me. It was, like, when white men see, like, what a powerful woman looks like for the first time. And it's her, like, walking by, looking all fierce. Yeah, because all, all like, these, these little, like, young Republicans are all, like, looking at her. Because yeah. she's walking in hella fierce. She's wearing a cape. Yeah. I saw a meme of that same image that was just, like, when she doesn't care who your daddy is. <laughs> yes! And I was like, yes. So, the only thing I'll say about the State of the Union is that all of the Democratic Congresswomen came in wearing white in mm-hmm. solidarity with suffragettes. So that was really cool. So cool. Um, other than that, the State of the Union, you can pass on it. It was yeah. one of the longer states of the Union that's can ever you, existed. Can you explain to me the sarcastic clap thing? Because I was reading a little bit oh about that God, today so when I was at the funny. vet. Because she's saying that it was like she was legitimately applauding. But then it was funny because her daughter tweeted like, I know that look. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so what we're talking about if you haven't seen it already in a meme is um, so Nancy Memes. Pelosi got her spot back yeah. um, so mm-hmm. she was sitting up there next to uh, Vice President Pence for the State of the Union you mean, you mean father father daddy father um, oh daddy that's, <laughs> I know that's I had to do gross. it I'm sorry I had that to makes do me it. feel bad feelings um, mother and father so she was sitting up there next to Pence for the State of the Union and of course whenever Trump walked in Pence is very because you know Pence thinks that Trump's an idiot, yeah. but like he's very good at putting he puts on a on face. The show, yeah, um, and he's applauding, and everyone is applauding. Specifically, <laughs> Republicans are applauding, and Nancy Pelosi. They caught Nancy Pelosi giving the most like you tried oh, face good for you for coming today. Yeah, and clapping, and it is. <laughs> so funny. It's totally like because it's not like her hands are upright and like prayer no, they're to clapping. the side. They're like to the. It's like it's like an alligator clap. Yeah, but, but kind of like a golf clap, and, alligator clap. And like, her neck is kind of like you. hooked, which we all know. Like, listen, you only do that when you're being sarcastic. Um, Keegan's doing it right now. Yeah, and, and so am I. It totally, and you can hear it in our voices. Yeah, and it does. Like her daughter tweeted, like 
I know that look. Like, that's a look where she's like, you tried to get away with something, but I know what you're up to. And that's exactly what it looks like. So she can be like, no, I was really clapping. And I'm like, you were clapping. And and then you you just did the move. I'm like, honey. (laughs) Sure, Jan. (laughs) Yeah, sure, Jan. You were clapping because you knew you had to, but Mm -hmm. you were going to do it in the way, like, in a way that made him look stupid mm-hmm. uh, and we all appreciate it so we all really much. appreciate it you brought us some really great internet content this so week so many good memes um, you you know we appreciate the shade you can you can deny it all you want we know what it was we know hearts. where your heart is we know and it's okay is, you and can you know admit what? it to us we applaud it we're not gonna tell anyone we're happy you have your gavel back too yeah exactly listen we love it um, all right okay so the next thing that we have to talk about is there are two more hats in the ring ish for 2020. Uh, Cory Booker, I think we all kind of saw that coming. He's been kind of sort of pre-campaigning, campaigning for a while. And I who think is he? Because the name sounds familiar, but I don't know who he is. So Cory Booker is a senator. Um, he has been very vocal. He spoke out a lot during the Kavanaugh hearings. He's spoken out against Trump a lot. So we kind of all assumed that he was gearing up to put his hat in the ring. He's yeah. a black man. So we kind of all figured that this was coming. I love the diversity so Me far. too. The it diversity so, so, so far is cool. And I actually don't dislike Cory Booker. I mean, he's got really strong views about like uh, racial justice, racial discrimination, things like that, uh, which is really awesome. The downside about Cory Booker is that he, unlike some of the other candidates that we are so excited about, like maybe potentially Beto, Bernie, other candidates that are very like anti-Wall Street, Elizabeth Warren, he is not. And in fact, the banks really like him a lot. Corporations tend to like him a lot. I mean, that could do him a lot of good. I feel like while I would prefer somebody who doesn't take you know, corporate funds, corporate funds for their campaigns and things like that. I feel like if it comes down to it and they're really pushing him to be the leader, as long as he has good ideas and intentions about being president, I feel better about that. Right. I mean, and the thing is, when it comes down to it, once we get to the primary or whatever, uh, all of these candidates are going to have pros and cons. So yeah. at that point, we're going to need to weigh those pros and cons and decide I'm, what can you live with, what can you live without, yeah, you know? I'm really excited to discuss all of that on this platform because we started the show after Trump's election. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to, like, discuss it. Obviously not to sway any listeners or anything like that, but just kind no, of, like, put it discuss... all out the, on the table. Yeah, discuss the pros and cons and things that we like and dislike and things like that. I don't know. I'm excited to, like, talk about it within this context. Me too. Things um, really fun. Me too. Now, someone I'm not excited about Ew. is uh, Howard Schultz is considering toying with putting his hat in the ring. And Howard Schultz is the ex-CEO of Starbucks. Oh. He's the one who stepped in during all that racial... Yeah. Those racial tensions whenever those two men went into Starbucks and had the police called on them. He was not the CEO at that time, but he kind of stepped in and was like, hey, I can help fix this. And he's the one who was like, we're going to have... We're going to talk about race at Starbucks. And it's going to fix racism or whatever. (laughs) Which which we even... Guys, I worked at Starbucks, and the reason I laugh is because... 
they totally talk like that. Like, the company is all about, like, have you ever seen Silicon Valley? Yes. Where it's like, we're going to change the world. We're yes. change the world. Oh, God. And They're so, comes... like, one cup of coffee at a time. Oh. We're changing the world. I'm like, bro, we are a Starbucks. Yeah, like... people come here for burnt toast coffee, and that's what they're here yeah. for. And you get that vibe when you hear Howard Schultz talk, like, so hard. Like, mm-hmm. he thinks that because he's good at being the CEO of a coffee company, he's good at everything. Like, he's one of those people. Yeah. Um, but he has come out like very strongly against Trump, which is like okay. But then so he's, are most people. But then he's like pro billionaire, though. He's like yeah. pro like. But let's not tax the wealthy because he is one. And so he's come out and been like, I'm going to run as an independent because I'm a middle of the road moderate and I'm nope. here for all Americans. And nope. it's just like, first of all, fuck you, take a fucking stance on yeah. one side or the other. Because that's not how the world, that's not how the country runs right and now. It two, just doesn't. the last fucking thing we need is a goddamn independent. Like, no. do not come in here pulling that Gary Johnson, Jill Stein bullshit yeah. and taking Where away... Where people who don't want to vote either side are going to vote for you. Right. And bullshit. that's how Trump got elected. Yeah. That's how Trump got elected with these third-party fucking votes. Yep. Like, do not or do it. Or lack of votes. Guys, like, vote. And vote... Vote. Right. Yes. And vote right. <laughs> not right. Vote correctly. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Sorry, Keegan, I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to come out as a Republican. Oh, God. Woo! And that's plot, the end of our podcast. Plot twist. Turning this car around. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like, you, your ego, Howard Schultz, is so huge that you think you can come here and actually win an election running as an independent when you have zero political experience and you have no understanding of what this actually means. Do you, you do you understand what you just said? You're describing Trump. Oh no, I know. I know. But the problem <laughs> like, is that's exactly what Trump, Trump has did. opened the door for this shit. Exactly. Like, now people just show up and they're just like, I can be president. Yeah. It's like the thing that was to a, do if that you're was a, a billionaire. Joke on, that was a joke on Dance Moms that she was a reality star and so she could be president. I, I mean you're you think it's... I, I feel like it really is, like, the thing to do if you're a billionaire now. You're yeah. like, I think I'm going to run for president. Just for fun. Let's just try it. And you know, Howard, I've never done it before. Howard I Schultz it. just seems like such a fucking tool. Like, yeah. CNN um, decided to do, like, a... Um, what is it called? An open... Like an expose on it? No, no, no. Like a town hall. They're going to do a town hall with Howard Schultz and... There's been a lot of backlash because people are like, why are you giving him attention? He literally has no, no legitimate reason to be running for president. Like, yeah. there's no reason for you to be running for president other than that you have a ton of money and you can. Yeah. But people are really just stepping up and being like, please don't. Yeah. And to your point, Starbucks has... <laughs> they they sent an email to, like, all of their partners. Yeah. And they're like, this is what you should do if anybody asks you about Howard Schultz <gasps> running for president. No way. I wonder if I, like, got that email because I think they still send me stuff every once in a while because I used to work there. But I just delete, like, anything I know I don't need. It was just, like... If they what ask they you about his book, tell them that it's available on Google and Amazon. Uh, and I'm like, fucking don't tell them that. Be like, it's not available here. Can I get you your grande coffee? Or, yeah. like, whatever. Like... I don't know. I feel like that was one of the reasons that, like, my boss liked me and the people that I work with liked me, but I think that's the reason that I was never going to, like, go anywhere. One, I didn't want to. Like, I wasn't going to, like, go higher up. And two, because it's such an ass-kissing company. All companies are, though. It's so... But this one in particular, like, 
I mean, I haven't worked for a lot of big corporations, so maybe, I, I don't know, maybe they all are. But, like, it's just such a dumb process of, like, brainwashing to be like, Starbucks is all, ah, like, it's just weird. Well, and, and they like, definitely seem to be that kind of company that's, like, like, I, like I legit feel like Howard Schultz feels like he solved racism by being, yeah. like, we're gonna talk. We're kind of like, kind of like when Pepsi saved racism. Oh my god! That was a good one. I mean, it's just like whenever Starbucks was like, and look, we commended them on this very podcast for we doing did. it because I'm like, a lot of companies wouldn't do it, but at the same time, you closing all stores for a day and talking to your employees about racism isn't going to solve racism. No. Is it a great thing that you did it? Like th- yeah, yes. thanks for doing of it. Course. But like, it's great. At the same but time, you can't give yourself. You stop you patting yourself on the, the back. World. Yeah, it's like you did it, and you need to move on. It's the people like that when someone does one good thing and they never let you forget it, they need to keep reminding you of that like one good thing they did where you're like, okay, it's ruined now. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it. You're done. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Oscars because I I kept asking my bosses because one of them plays in the orchestra pit every year at the Oscars pretty much. And the other one, he works for Kimmel, who was the host last year. So I'm like, maybe he knows something. Every week I'm like who's hosting, who's hosting, I don't know, I don't know, and probably he's like, no one, and like, I haven't been following up on it Yeah, no one. So I'm like, no one? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be no host, which, uh, to me, seems like a really bad idea. Especially because... It is a bad idea. It's a really bad idea, and I feel like especially, so like, Kevin Hart isn't going to do it, there's a million other people who would be great at it. But no one wants it. Like, that's the thing, is like, people don't want it because... Every year, people get torn apart for hosting. Like, no one ever does well enough. Like, it's not... It's all a numbers game, right? Like, they're all trying to just, like, make money and advance their careers. It's a business decision to host the Oscars for these people. And the payoff isn't enough. But can't it... But, like, isn't it kind of like a all press is good press kind of thing. I mean, it depends. It greatly depends on, like, if they really do fail, then that would look really bad. But I feel like, especially when it comes to, like talk show hosts, night show hosts, things like that. There's, like, a plethora of options, and there have been plenty of people who have said, I'll do it. There have been a lot of those people. Not this year, though. Yeah. Who? Yeah, I remember seeing Busy Phillips said something. I would love to see Busy Phillips host the Oscars, because that is my girl. Yeah. I've seen a couple other, um, like, comedians and actors and, like, talk show hosts, I feel like, say it. I can't remember. My, my understanding was that anybody they wanted didn't want it. That's like, probably they didn't what it, There's it. probably and people that wanted to do it, but the... But the the Academy Oscars didn't, didn't want it want for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, so they're yeah. basically just going to like have a bunch of celebrities appear as presenters. It's stupid. It's very bad because they did this in 1989 and, and it, was it was a, a fail. Yeah. It was it infamously failed. Yeah. Um but the the Academy announced on Monday that the first stars to appear on stage will be Aquafina, who I adore. She's mm-hmm. so funny. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Tina Fey, Whoopi Goldberg, Brie Larson, Jennifer Lopez, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Amanda Steinberg, Charlize Theron, Tessa Thompson, and Constance Wu. If they do it right, I think it could be good. It's just... It could be, like, variety. It could be wonderful. But if it to me, is that, I don't know. I've just never seen anything like this before, so we'll see. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes, too, the hosts, like, especially the in-between parts, it's not always that entertaining or great. But for me, it's like the opening monologue is what it's so I iconic. To. Yeah, me yeah. too. So it's like the in-between stuff so much is, like, it's so hokey a lot of the times that I just kind of roll my eyes at it and move on. I bet you the Oscars is going to be one big joke about how they don't have a host. Like, I bet oh, you instead of sure. instead of an opening monologue, they're going to have a bunch of people making jokes about, about how, how they don't no have host. a host. Yeah. Which, honestly, makes sense. 
as yeah. much as it's going to be like a yuck, yuck, yuck kind of thing, like it, it makes sense. What else are they going to say? Yeah, know? totally. Okay. So that's all I have. Should we read some listener mail? Yeah, let's you're get gonna, some listener mail. You're going to read Sienna's. Do we have another one to read? We do. We have one from Madison as oh, well. Oh, yes. I'll read Madison. Okay. So I'll read Sienna's first. Mm-hmm. So Sienna submitted this after our Gendering Babies Mm -hmm. episode. She says, Hey ladies, just finished listening to the episode on Gendering Children. I'd like to share my experiences growing up in good old Willard, Missouri, which is, I lived in Willard, Missouri for a number of years. Yeah. It's a very small town. When I was living there, I think it was 3,000 people. I think there's more than that now, but um, 3,000 people is tiny. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very very small. Very. It is interesting how similar and different Keegan's and my experiences are. Or, I feel like that's, like, the sum of, like, a lot of the things that she writes in about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is really interesting to well, me because you guys grew up together and were best friends. But then, yeah. like, you both had very different, like, And we still we still are best friends. Yeah. Like, we still talk all the time. And, yeah. like, she's going to be in my wedding. Yeah. It's just um, interesting because you grew up so close geographically and like personally that like your experiences are so different I just, yeah I'm you would think they'd be similar but like our backgrounds are so different and, yeah, and totally. all of that stuff that totally framed the way our it informed the way that our childhoods were yeah so it's funny she says I'd like to share my experiences growing up in good old wood Missouri it's interesting how similar and different Keegan's and my experiences were or maybe just mostly different <laughs> so growing up my parents did not assume their assigned gender roles Mom was the main breadwinner, so Dad was the main person to make dinner, like, five-ish times a week. Although it wasn't a gourmet meal, none of us starved. He also was assigned to child's duties, soccer practice, homework, bath time, etc. It may be because he had two girls before my little brother came along, but Dad would play Barbies with my sister and me. Long story short, short my dad is the bomb. Her dad is For super real. Fun. To this day... She doesn't usually call him dad. Like, she's calling him dad in this email yeah. for the purposes of this email, I think. But um, she calls him Bill Wayne. Like, she calls him by his first and middle name. I love it. And I love My it. My best friend Katie calls her dad Ted or Teddy. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. Um, Also, as a teenager, I was allowed to go out and be out late at night where most of my girlfriends were not. Now, I can't tell you if it was because, one, my older sister was always in trouble for lying (laughs) about something or another, or two, I was usually with Keegan and my parents love her. She could do no (laughs) wrong. Um, We still got into a considerable amount of trouble, but I was the most responsible one because I would go out with them and I didn't drink. Yeah. Or I would go out to parties and stuff, but, like, I didn't drink or do drugs. So I was the one who drove everybody home and, like, did all that stuff. And then if I did drink, I would call my mom and be like, Mom, pick me up. I'm scared. (laughs) We never did that. We did not want to get in trouble. But I did a lot of the driving. I did accidentally drive her um, car into a ditch once. Oh, fun. We'll talk about that another time. time. (laughs) Three, I was a pretty good teenager and wasn't getting into much trouble anyway. So, yeah, it is kind of interesting how Keegan and I lived in the same town, but for some of our experiences, we're totally wildly different. Sorry this email was was the most boring. Love the podcast. Keep on keeping on, ladies. Girl, not boring at all. We love hearing from you. Thank you, Sienna. Never boring, especially because I know Keegan, and it's fun to hear about Keegan as a youngin. It is, yeah, me. it's interesting. I never thought of her parents as not adhering to their assigned gender roles because in a lot of ways, her dad rides a motorcycle and her mom loves pink and doing yeah. her nails and doing her hair. So I always saw them in their gender roles. But yeah. whenever I take a closer look at, like, 
yes, her mom made more of the money and was working a whole lot more, and yeah. her dad was home a lot more yeah. and driving the kids around and stuff like Which that. Which is so, so admirable, because I feel like even today, the whole money thing, like, you know, I just remember growing up hearing, like, oh, it's intimidating for men if you make more money than them. Like, Which that is kind so of thing. fucking dumb. If it's it all so contributes dumb. to the household, who gives a fuck? Exactly. So, and it's, like, it's nice to hear that, you know, when you were growing up, there was a family that, like, fully embraced that. And I'm sure there were, were you know, every family has sure, retention and things like and things that, like you know. That, but for sure. it sounds like he really was fulfilled by the role that he had as a, as a dad. He enjoyed and his time with his kids. Exactly. And for me, having the opposite of that, where my mom worked, but she worked from home most of the time, and my dad was never home, ever, and mm-hmm. didn't really ever take that, like, parenting role. To me, like, when I hear about dads being so close to their daughters in particular, it's so weird for me but me warms too. my heart at the same time yeah me like, too. i still have this weird thing with like when i see fathers and daughters being affectionate it ta- it surprises I'm, me like, i'm the same way back. because so i don't weird. have that relationship with my yeah. dad like so i like the idea of being a daddy's girl is so strange to me because yeah. it it wouldn't happen no like, in my I, life. I didn't like it when my dad touched me like my dad would go to give me like a shoulder rub and i just like don't touch me like, yeah i, hate I, it. I don't something... mind that but i'm just like not I mean, a daddy's I'm, girl i have like severe anxiety around my dad so like that's why but yeah it was really sweet the other week i was out with my boyfriend and his sister Haley and um, her fiance and Max's dad and we all went to go see a show together and like they're just so sweet together like Max and his dad are so sweet together and like Haley and his dad always get like her dad like always get photos together and like they hug each other and they're so affectionate and it's like I love seeing mm-hmm. it like it makes me so happy and it gives me hope for like when I have children one day like that's yeah. gonna be the experience you know yeah. makes me happy not me used too. to it me too alright we have a email from Madison She says, hey, girls, I was binging the podcast because I was behind and I absolutely love the podcast. I just had a note on something that you were talking about in one of the mini episodes. It was when you were talking about Pence and said something along the lines of his homophobia, meaning that he was a closeted homosexual. I know that you didn't mean anything by it, but I just wanted to let you know how those jokes can be deemed harmful to the LGBTQ community because it enforces the idea that closeted people are hateful toward their own community and that it is inherently bad to be homosexual, that there is a reason to hate not being straight. It also implies that the hate the community has gotten for years isn't to be taken seriously because, oh, they're just secretly gay, so it's not actually harmful. And that joking just makes light of those things that have oppressed LGBTQ people for decades. I think instead of joking that someone who is hateful towards the community is secretly gay, to call people out on that and say, no, they are just hateful, and we need to recognize that for what it is and try to erase the hatefulness from happening than than to ignore it. Again, I still loved the episode and know that you guys didn't mean anything from it. And as someone who is in the LGBTQ community who has made jokes along these lines in the past, it's good to know how they're taken or interpreted among other people in the community and learn to grow from them. Thanks for all you guys do and rage on, Madison. This is the perfect example of calling some calling us in. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect example. Which is what I said. I, re- I replied to her and I was like, thank you so much for calling us in on this. It was something that kind of... I, I know exactly what she's talking about. I know yeah. exactly what episode she's talking about. And it's something that kind of came out sort of flippantly while we were moving on to another uh, yeah. a thing. Well, and, and it's it's one of those things that that is a trope that is used a lot. Did you watch the show Sex Education? No. It's so good. but they I do, know. I've heard that. It's so good. Oh, my God. But they do kind of play on that as well. The bully turns out to be at least bisexual. He mm-hmm. has, like, a scene with another guy. I'm not going to spoil it, but... Maybe I did just spoil it. Sorry. Um, but they do kind of 
play on that a little bit. And I feel like that happens a lot in movies and TV shows where if you're not part of that community, like y- you do kind of get used to seeing that sort of thing where I understand why, you know, I would think that or say that or things like that, although I know that that's not true. You know Right, what I mean? and I also see that it can be harmful. Like, I see oh, how it can be harmful. Exactly, And that's I appreciate what I mean. yeah. her drawing that illustration for us on um, the ways in which it is harmful yeah. and that that is something that's talked about in the LGBTQ community. Yeah, because um, so- we definitely, like... For all of you who I feel like have been on this ride with us this whole time, kind of know that we try our hardest to be as uh, thoughtful about everything that we say. We don't want to offend anybody. We want this to be a safe space. So if there's ever anything that we say that is kind of a red flag for you guys or that you think that you can educate us on, like that's really the best way to do it is to just call us in on it, give us some examples, talk to us about it because it was something that I'd never really even thought about before or known. I mean, like I knew it could be harmful, but at the same time didn't really understand the weight of it. Right. And like reading that most likely like we didn't even realize. Yeah. So it's really nice and great for you to just, like, let us know. Remind us yeah. so that we don't do it again. And then exactly. it's in the forefront of our minds. Yeah. Um, because we would never intentionally oh do God. something hurtful. I think sometimes on this show, and just in life in general, like, to cope, right? Like, we make light of things and yeah. we laugh about things. Um, or say say the wrong thing because we're just trying to be lighthearted. Right, know? yeah. But it's never with malicious intentions. Absolutely. Ever. Absolutely. So thank so, you so much for yeah. calling us in on that. Like, and honestly, if you're, if we've ever said something and you're like, ugh, I really kind of want to point this out to them but I don't know how to do it, use that email as an example yeah. of like the perfect way to call us in on any yeah. topic. It was just a, a a teaching moment. I feel educated. Yeah. I don't feel like talked down I, to. I, I I'm really sorry. Like if I hurt anybody's yeah. feelings, that was not my intention in any way. Agreed. Um, but I don't feel talked down to. I don't feel belittled. I just feel like I've been educated on something, and I'll move forward with that knowledge. With that knowledge. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know it was a little lighter on the news than usual, but I think we still got you some good stuff. If you would like to send us an email, any listener mail stories, ideas for episodes, sister solidarity stories, coming out stories, motherhood stories, anything like that, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can also follow us and direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can follow us on Twitter if you want, at Yanf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We've got a Facebook group and a business page. You can leave us a review on Facebook, which is super cool. And you can also review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe there as well. It helps us so much. You will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday. Um, yeah, please review yeah. and rate. And if you're not subscribed and you're, like, a weirdo who, like, goes in every week and, like, searches for our podcast, just go ahead and subscribe. Just, like, it doesn't just hurt. Just do it. It doesn't hurt. Do it. You know you're going to come back you anyway. you're going to come back because you love us. Just hit that subscribe button. It's going to give you a little reminder. It's just going to be, just picture me and Keegan, like, poking our heads out of your phone just being like, hey, you. That might be up? scary. I don't know if they want to <laughs> picture that. That actually no, like, like a little animated. Very threatening. Do you remember those, like, MySpace, like, doll? icons you could have. Yes. Where it's like little weird animated things of us being like, you're not making this better. (laughs) I don't like that either. Hey, listen. It's nothing nearly that invasive. (laughs) It's just a notification on your phone that says, hey, there's a new episode. (laughs) Guys, I'm severely sleep deprived.
It's not good. Oh, I'm done talking in this mini episode. We have a full one to do. This is going to be great. Yep. All right, you guys. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.